Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible, now God better do good things for me, or I'm going to take this step of faith, and now God better bless me, that somehow our step of faith forces God to bless us. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about faith, and I think that sometimes we think faith is a special currency that you use in the vending machine, this cosmic being known as God, to get what we want. We think faith is something that we trade to get favors from God. But a step of faith doesn't usually lead to safety and comfort. It usually leads to the front lines in a spiritual war. It takes you into hard places. It takes you to places where change needs to happen. Um, I have some friends who went and worked with a church plant, a new church that was getting started, and they moved away from their friends and their family. And uh, as they started going through all that, people started saying some things like, wow, look, it's amazing that you were able to find a job. God is blessing you because of your step of faith. And then, you know, they started looking for a home and they found just the right place. And people were saying, God bless you because you took this step of faith. Everything is working out for you because you took this step of faith. And I think sometimes that's the way we think that if, you know, we do something for God, then he'll do good things for us. If we take these steps of faith he wants us to take, then he's happy with us and he's going to give us good things as a result. It's like this trade that we're doing with him with faith. But what I find is a lot of times... We want our faith to take us far away from the changes that need to happen in the world, far away from the spiritual front lines, and we want to find safe, comfortable places. God's steps don't lead to safety and comfort. Usually the enemy's steps lead us. He's leading us away from the spiritual front lines. It will always be comfortable and safe running from the front lines. Because the enemy wants to keep you away from the battle. He wants to keep you away from changing and impacting the world and changing your life and changing who you are. If you stay away from the front lines, it might be safer, but that means you're also staying away from your commanding officer. You're staying away from God. If you want to experience God, we have to go to where God is working, on the spiritual front lines of our war. So a step of faith puts you on the front lines, but it's the front lines with God. A soldier who is AWOL won't have a relationship with his commanding officer. He may be safe from the battle, but he won't have a relationship with his commanding officer. And I think sometimes we run away from steps of faith thinking we'll be safe, but that also means we're running away from knowing and experiencing who God is. A soldier who's listening to orders is going to end up in combat, but you're going to end up in spiritual combat with God. You're not going to be alone. You're going to be with God. And I think some of the, the most honest, authentic moments I have had knowing God and experiencing God and hearing from God have been times that I've taken steps of faith. And it's taken me to places that are scary and places that I don't want to go and places that I'm scared to go. But those are the places that I end up learning more about God and experiencing more with God. In 1 Peter 4.12, Peter writes to the early church and he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when bad stuff happens to you as if something unexpected has happened. 
Have you ever had that where you're just walking along and somebody's like, surprise attack, and they tickle you, or you know, they like slap you or something, depending on what level of friendship you have with somebody. Maybe they trip you. Um, I have horrible friends, I guess. Cause they do <laughs> but what Peter is saying, when something bad happens in your day or in your week, don't be like, what is this? I thought Christianity was supposed to be all good. Everything was supposed to be great. He says, don't be surprised when a step of faith leads to difficulty. Because a step of faith is going to put you on the front lines. A step of faith, acting on faith, is dangerous. So you say, Alex, all you've done today is convince me to never take a step of faith because it sounds horrible. Like you're talking about how dangerous it is, how it's going to be unpleasant, it's not going to lead to safety. So why would I ever take a step of faith? I want to be comfortable and safe. I'm sure you want to be comfortable and safe. So why would we ever take a step of faith? I believe Jesus didn't die to make us safe. He died to make us spiritually dangerous in an enemy-controlled world. A step of faith changes the world. I think the true issues on our planet, in our world, are only going to be changed when people believe there's a good God at work and they take risks. They take steps of faith because they believe they have an all-powerful God behind them. That's how the world is going to change. A step of faith is going to change the world. A step of faith is going to change what's broken and desperate and in need of change in our world. A step of faith, though, is going to mean that we have to rely on God because we're not in control. It's too big. We can't do it. We don't have control to make it happen. We have to relinquish, relinquish control and trust Him. Now, a step of comfort, when we step towards something that feels safe, that makes us feel in control, right? We're like, oh, if I go over here, it feels like I'm holding on to everything. I'm in control. I'm going to be safe. It's going to be good. When we're in control, we feel safe. But every time we think we're in control, it's not real control. Darby and I were talking about this the other day. We're like, okay, when would we feel safe? Like if we had lots of money, right? Then we could be like, anything comes up, we're like, throw money at it. We're good. We can just buy this. We can take care of it. But then what happens if the stock market crashes? Well, you've lost that money. Or what happens if you get a cancer diagnosis? doesn't matter how much money you can throw at it, you're not in control. And so anytime we think we're in control, it's a way that we deceive ourselves into thinking we're safe. And so even when we step towards comfort, when we step towards thinking we're in control, it's just a lie we're telling ourselves. All of us find ourselves in positions where we have to rely on God. But a step of faith forces you to admit that you're not in control. A step of faith will always knock you down on your knees to say, God, I'm not in control. I need you. See, a step of faith is a step where we have no idea what the future is going to hold. And you know what? You never do. But we like to think that if we're in a comfortable pattern and we have some control over our lives, that we can guess what's going to happen next. But a step of faith forces you into a position where you say, I have no idea what's going to happen. Only God knows. Now, the nation of Israel had been enslaved by the Egyptians for generations. And then this old bearded guy showed up and he said, I'm going to set you free. This God that you've never seen has set me to set you free. And they're like, okay, like, sure, sounds great. Like, how do we know who you are? How do we know who he is? And then God began to do these miracles. And slowly they began to believe that an unseen God had really sent Moses to set them free. And the Egyptians finally began to say, we need to get rid of these people because they're causing more problems than they are good for us. And slowly through this process, they began to believe. And finally, 
they left. Now, leaving slavery, that doesn't sound like a big step of faith for us. You're like, slavery, freedom. You're like, easy step, right? But if slavery is all you know, freedom can be frightening. And I think a lot of times that's why we in our life, we go back to something that's enslaved us because it's what's known. It's what we can predict the future and feel like we're at least in control of it. And a step of faith that leads to freedom can be frightening. So there's this escalating series of miracles, and the Israelites were finally ready to believe, and the Egyptians were finally ready to let go, and Moses marches the Israelites out of Egypt. And they took their step of faith, and they're like, everything's going to be good now. This unseen God has rescued us. We're going to march out to our own land. Everything's going to be great now that we're taking a step of faith. And immediately after leaving, they get pinned between an angry army and a stormy sea. And I think a lot of times in our step of faith, we're like, okay, I'm going to start going to church, or I'm going to be baptized, or I'm going to start reading my Bible, I'm going to start praying. And the first thing that comes up is we end up between a rock and a hard place. And we're like, this isn't what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to take a step of faith and things are supposed to get better. And we find the story here of what happened to the Israelites in Exodus 14. Because I made these slides, it says Genesis 14, but it's actually Exodus 14. Exodus 14, starting in verse 9, says this. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his entire army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea besides Pi Haharoth in front of Baal Zephon. You know what they taught me in seminary? Uh, three years of seminary taught me this. When you don't know how to pronounce a word in the Bible, just say it real confidently and people think that's how you say it. So that's what I did. Then. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians coming after them. And the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. And they said to Moses, Is it because they ran out of graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us stay as slaves to the Egyptians. It would have been better to be slaves in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. All of us at some point in a step of faith, you've done this, you've taken the step, and then you're like, this is worse than if I had never done anything. If I had never reached out for God, if I had never tried to follow Him, it would have been better to just keep doing destructive things and just ignore God. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord is going to fight for you. You must be quiet. And then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after you, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army and his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then the angel of God, who had been going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. And it came between the Egyptian and the Israelite forces. And there was a cloud and darkness, and it lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night. And so from this passage, I want to look at some, some things we can learn about taking a step of faith and how often, 
after we take a step of faith, we end up in this position where we're between a rock and a hard place. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. We shouldn't come into a step of faith and be like, what? Instantly, everything didn't get better. In fact, I instantly went into a difficult place. That's part of a step of faith. But it's not the destination of a step of faith. See, sometimes our step of faith, like Moses' step of faith and the Israelite step of faith, lands us between an angry army and a stormy sea. There's always a moment, at least one, sometimes there's a lot of moments in a step of faith that will terrify you. You know, in roller coasters, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. This is, oh, I'm enjoying this. And then it's like, ah! You know, you just drop that moment that terrifies you. Every step of faith has that. Now, if it's a modern roller coaster, it just feels like it's one moment after another after another. And there's some steps of faith like that. That where it's like, I'm terrified. Okay, God took care of it. I'm terrified God took care of it. I'm terrified God took care of it. That's what it means to take a step of faith. That's not abnormal. That's what happens. When I was a kid and I was learning to ride a bike without training wheels, adults kept saying really helpful things like this. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. I went down the hills in my backyard, wrecked, busted up my leg. There was something to be afraid of. You know, I started riding around my friend's driveway. He had a um, paved flat driveway, but it was next to a cliff. So I'm riding around in a circle, and I'm like, I'm getting this. I'm getting the hang of it. I can ride without training with it. Went over the cliff, down through the woods, crashed into a creek. There was something to be afraid of. <laughs> if I told you that a step of faith had no danger, I would be lying to you. I want you to take steps of faith. I want to take steps of faith. I think that's what makes the world better. I think that will ultimately make you better and your life better. But I would be lying to you if I told you taking a step of faith won't have scary moments. It won't have terrifying moments. It won't have moments where you have no control and you have to completely trust God. But those are the moments that actually grow in us our faith. Who actually make us like Jesus was. Taking a step of faith is the most dangerous life you can live. But not taking a step of faith, trying to play it safe or play it comfortable, is the most wasted life you can live. If you want your life to not matter or mean anything and you don't want to grow or get better, then don't take any steps of faith. You might find some comfort, you might find some safety, but why are we here on this planet? We're here to become like Jesus and to transform the world into a world that lives and loves like he See, humanity is at war with the cosmic evil for the eternal souls of mankind. The stakes are high. And yet some of us say to our general, like, I don't want to be part of your plan if it involves bullets. I mean, that's essentially what we say to God. Like, imagine a soldier who says, if you come up with a plan that doesn't involve guns, I'll be part of your army. Like, you can't do that. It's wartime. It involves danger. We have a good general who's not going to send us to our death. He's not going to send us to a cause without reason. He's not just wasting troops on the board. I love board games. It's one of my greatest passions. I have a closet full of board games. The board game Risk takes way too long, but I love that game. And Risk, I sacrifice troops all the time. Because sacrificing troops is like how you win. You're like, I'm going to sacrifice over here so I can swoop in and take this country from the other side. God never sacrifices troops. He's never like, yeah, those people are pumped. I don't care about them. Every one of us is precious. So when he calls you to a step of faith, he's not going to waste your pain. He's going to have a purpose for it. 
He's not going to waste your step of faith because he finds you too valuable not to use. God finds you too valuable in this cosmic battle for earth to not send you to the front lines. You're too valuable for him to keep back on the rear lines. He wants to send you to the front. That's why he's created you. That's why he sent you into the world to change the world. In verse 12, they say, you know what? It would have been so much better if we didn't leave Egypt. Now think about this. They've been slaves for generations. Worked, beaten. They weren't allowed to have too many kids. Their kids were stolen or killed as they were born. I mean, this was a brutal regime they were under. They had no freedom, no life. They couldn't worship their own God. They were completely under the thumb of Egypt. They take this step of faith. They're free. And they're like, you know what? It's better to be a slave than to be between a stormy sea and an angry army. They were so terrified after taking this step of faith. They're like, I wish we had never done it. I wish we had just gone back and we had never taken this step of faith. And every step of faith you take, there will be a moment where you think it would have been better off. I would have been better off if I hadn't done this. If I hadn't gone to church, if I hadn't started reading my Bible, if I hadn't talked to somebody about Jesus, if I hadn't decided to go start a church, if I hadn't decided to go on a mission trip to Honduras to work with orphans, it would have been better if I didn't do this. Maybe even the world in your mind would be better if you hadn't taken this step of faith. You never know how God is using your step of faith that you're taking today to transform the generation of tomorrow. I I am so confident that when we die and someday see God, he's going to explain how all the little domino pieces in our lives knocked against other domino pieces to affect things long after we're gone. There are people who prayed things long before we were born that God is still working those things out in our world. And there are steps of faith that you're taking and that I'm taking that we won't always see the results of. And that's okay. Because God is playing a long game with all of humanity and we play a small part, but an important part. And sometimes our steps of faith seem to go into the ground and lay dormant, and they seem to have accomplished nothing. But just like a seed sometimes lays dormant in the ground, sometimes our step of faith lays dormant for a generation before changing everything. Sometimes when I read stories about men and women who have impacted our world in powerful ways, it's amazing when they mention a teacher or someone they just had a one-time conversation with or someone who gave them a book and how it altered their entire course of their life. You have no idea how your small step of faith is playing into God's big story about what he's doing in our world. Sometimes um, in church planting, Darby and I, my wife, we talk about what would it have been like if we didn't come to Havertown and start a church? What if we'd stayed out with a pastor down in Tennessee what would it look like if we didn't move up to Philadelphia and start a church? I'd probably work in a church with more than 20 people. I'd probably have a parsonage to live in instead of an apartment with five Villanova students above me who party way too late and way too loud. Uh, we'd probably be closer to our families. I'd probably make more money and be driving a nicer car. Uh, just realities. I'd probably feel a little bit better about myself, right? I'd be up and look and say, look at what I get to we paint this perfect fictional story of how good our life would look like if we had run from God instead of running to a step of faith. It's a fantasy. Everybody's life is hard. Whether you take a step of faith or you don't, 
Life is hard. We have cancer and war and bills. We live in a broken world. There's no perfect, safe life. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how deep you dig the bunker underneath your house. There's no perfect security. Everybody has a hard life. And we deceive ourselves into thinking that our step of faith made our life harder, but life was already hard. A step of faith just makes our life hard for a reason, for a purpose. It makes it matter. It makes it not wasted. And we see here the message that Moses has for the Israelites in verses 13 and 14. Moses said, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Look and see the Lord's salvation. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Stop, listen, see what he's about to do. And so I see four things here that Moses tells them. Number one, he says, don't be afraid. Don't you love that? When you're terrified and somebody says, don't be afraid. It's like sometimes when Darby and I are anxious and we say to the other person, like, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Like, that makes it all better. Thanks. I'm so glad somebody said, don't be afraid. Now suddenly I'm not afraid anymore. Right? That doesn't seem to help. But sometimes it's nice to know that someone else is not afraid when we're afraid. It's nice to know, like, oh, they're not afraid. So maybe I don't have to be afraid of this. In 1 John 4.18, John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And every time I start getting afraid, it's because I start thinking that God is somehow out to get me. He's against me. He's going to somehow punish me for the wrong that I've done. And I forget that we serve a God of love. A God who died in my place so that I could be with him forever. And so when I'm afraid, what I try to do is remember how much God loves me. And he hasn't left me. And he's still with me and for me. And my fear isn't bigger than his love for me. His love is bigger than anything that comes against me or anything that I imagine or anything that's overwhelming me. And so when I'm afraid, I try to remember how much he loves me. I go to the cross and think, we serve a God who died. Rather than being eternally separated from me, he would rather die so that I could be with him. And then Moses says, don't give up. That's essentially what he says here. He says, stand firm. Some translations will say, be unshakable, like the name of our series. Stand firm, be unshakable. Some translations say, be steadfast. All that means this, don't give up. That's what he told the Israelites. He's like, hey, there's an angry army that wants to kill you. Here's a stormy sea that wants to drown you. You're stuck in the middle. Don't give up. Because sometimes when we find we're in that place between two bad options, we're like, I'm just giving up. You know, you've ever seen that with a kid and they're out at the store and they've reached their breaking point and they just lay down on the ground and they're like, I give up. I feel like that sometimes in my spiritual life. Like I'm just laying on the floor and God's like, come on, stop pinching the tantrum, you know, and he's like dragging me down the aisle. That's how it feels like sometimes in my life. I had somebody recently tell me and they said, do you know what the difference between a successful church planter and a failed church planter is? And I said, no, I want to know this. You know, I pull out my notebook like a little nerd taking notes. And uh, he says, successful church planters are too dumb to quit. And I think sometimes in our step of faith, the first time it gets hard, the first time we find ourselves between two scary things, we just give up. And we don't get to see God part seas like he does here in this story because we give up. And then Moses says, after don't give up, he says, look at the salvation he's about to do. Essentially what he says is, don't look away. Do you remember that movie Willow? 
George Lucas made a great series of movies called Star Wars, and then he made Willow. And you're like, what, what happened there? But I remember watching Willow as a kid, and my parents would do this thing, maybe your parents did it too, where if there was a scary part on a movie, they would say, don't look. Or maybe it was like a graphic part, or maybe it was getting a little too friendly, you know, between some characters, and they'd say, don't look at this part. And they would hand a pillow over to me and make me put it across my eyes. So there was a whole part of Willow I never saw where the wolf rat dog creatures jump on this lady and eat her. And uh, I never saw that part of the movie. Because growing up, every time it came, my parents would put a pillow in front of my eyes. And then I went over to a friend's house, and they were watching Willow, and I watched it over there, and I was like, oh, at this part, and I grabbed a pillow off the couch, and I put it over my eyes. I'm like, you're not supposed to watch this part. And so I'm putting my hands over my friend's eyes to help them not see the part, because it's scary. So a few years ago, I watched it, and that part came up, and I was like, I'm 30 years old. I can see this now. And I watch it, I'm like, that's not that bad. They let me watch worse stuff than that. Why did that part? But anyways, I think sometimes when something's scary in our lives, we're like, I just want to look away. I just want to forget it. I just want to run away from it. I don't want to face it. And what happens is we miss how God is working in it and working through it because we just try to avoid it. I'm going to avoid it. If something's uncomfortable or unpleasant, I'm like, well, I'll put that on my schedule for it the week after the next week after the next. And then as that gets closer, I'm like, let's uh, go ahead and plan that for uh, March 45th, and I'll get it on that day, you know? And I'm an avoider, I don't wanna think about it, and if I don't think about it, then I won't be upset. I don't have to deal with it. But what Moses says is, when you try to avoid the hard situation God puts you in, you're trying to avoid the growth that he's trying to do in you. What you're missing is how he's working in it. He says, look, you're about to see his salvation. They're like, we can't look at the army. We can't look at the ocean. We'll just close our eyes. And I think sometimes when we close our eyes, we make our monsters seem bigger and more horrible than they are. When we open our eyes and we open our eyes to God, we see he's always much bigger than any monster we're facing, any scary situation that we're facing. Too often we miss what God is trying to do because we're trying to look anywhere else instead of at what he brought us to and what he wants to bring us through. And then last here, you see, he says, the Lord is going to fight for you. You must be quiet. I think how many times I'm trying to make it work. You know, I can imagine the Israelites are like, okay, if we run up this hillside here, we might be able to get behind the army. Then we can kind of jump over. We'll throw our family over this cliff and then we'll get away. Or maybe if we get down to the water, we can grab some pieces of wood and we can try to float across. And the army will be throwing spears in our backs, but maybe we'll just make it. You know, they're trying to come up with all these schemes and all these plans. It's an impossible situation. And anytime you take a step of faith, there will be impossible situations that no amount of planning, no amount of strategy, no amount of resources can get you out of. Only one thing can get you out of it, God. And God brings us to situations that require a supernatural response because otherwise we always try to find a way to do it without Him. At least that's what I do. If I can do it without God, I do it. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bother Him. He's busy. He's got things to do. And besides, I like to be in control of it. I don't like to have to trust him in his control. I want to do it on my own. And what God does is he brings us to things that are too big for us to handle, too scary for us to face, not to overwhelm us, not to destroy us, but to remind us to turn back to him. Do what you can do and then trust God for what you can. You know what he told Moses to do? He said, lift up your stick. 
That's not very much when there's an army and an ocean, or an army and a sea on either side. And he's like, Moses, guess what? You don't have a whole lot to do in this plan. And guess what? When you take a step of faith, we always want to be like, I'm the hero who took this step of faith and did this. No, if you're doing a step of faith for God, he's going to be doing 99%, and he'll give you 1% so you get to be a part of what he's doing. What I always try to remind myself is, God is infinity or zero. If you make an equation out of that, infinity plus zero, it still equals infinity. He likes to include us in the equation, but we're not really bringing anything to the table that he doesn't already have. He doesn't need us, but he wants to include us. And so sometimes I have to stop and say, God, I've tried everything. I've got the training. I've got the resources. I've tried to do everything. I've got the strategy. I'm sorry that I was trying to beat the army without you. I was trying to swim the sea without you. God, will you part the waters? Will you drown the army? Because I can't do it. And sometimes God has to bring us to terrifying situations in our step of faith so that we remember that we need him. He doesn't need us. And so Moses turns to God and he's crying out. He's like, these people are upset. I'm upset. And God says in verse 15, why are you crying? Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying? When I first got married to Darby, um, I asked her all the time, why are you crying? It was like every day she was crying about something. I grew up, I didn't cry about stuff unless it was a Pixar movie. And then I got some dust in my eye and I'm like, I'm fine. I don't feel anything. But I got married and I realized she cried about everything. And I would ask, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And quickly I realized she wasn't crying because something bad happened. Sometimes, sometimes I said it did something. But most of the time she was crying because she watched a cute puppy. On the internet, drag a shoe across the floor. And she's like, it's so cute. Or she watched a penguin walk up to the edge of an iceberg and slap another penguin on the back and knock him into the ocean. And she was crying because it was so cute. Or she watched a commercial where a little boy made a Valentine's Day cake for his mom. And she's like, that's so tender. And she was crying because of that. But God is asking them why they're crying because he's like, why are you upset by this? Moses is like, you brought me and these people, you promised us you were taking us somewhere, and we ended up between an army and a sea. That's why I'm crying, God. You broke your promise. You said you were taking us someplace, and you took us to a dead end. And God's like, this isn't a dead end. This is a bridge. This isn't your destination. This is just the journey. This is the path that I have you on. He says, it looks like a raging sea. But he says, you don't have to cry about that because it's a bridge between where you are and where I want you to go. Between who you are and who I want you to become. The people on the other side of the Red Sea, after God parts it, are going to have a faith and a belief in God stronger than the people on this side. And sometimes the belief and faith that we have for God on this side of something terrifying is nothing like the belief and the person we're going to be on the other side of. Um, you know those r- rumble strips on the side of the road, on the highway, they're like ridge, and you drive over them, they go like that. Um, those are there to wake you up and remind you that you're getting off the road, right? When I was a college student, I lived about an hour from my college, and I would commute each morning, and um, I would also work, and so I'd work to about 10 o'clock at night, get home, study, go to bed early in the morning, get up and have an 8 a.m. class. And so I'd be waking up at 6 a.m., usually trying to leave by 7 so I could get to my 8 a.m. class. And there were some times where I'd been up all night writing a paper or something, and I'm falling asleep, and I'm driving down the road on this highway, and then all of a sudden I go, 
And I'm like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake. And I swerve back into the road, you know, when people are honking at me. And um, those rumble strips are there to remind you to slow down and stay on track. And sometimes God puts speed bumps. He puts armies or seas into our path to remind us to slow down and to point us back to God. See, sometimes we're so impatient to get where we want to go or to become who we think we need to become that we forget God and we forget to include him in the mix. That We just want to get to our destination. But God is saying to Moses here, stop crying. This isn't how the story ends. I'm having you slow down and remember that I'm in control of this story. You're not. When we take a step of faith and we hit a dead end, we often think our story is over. But it's just getting started. Every step of faith has a moment where the speed bump in it. Steps of faith always have speed bumps. Those are never the end of the story. It's always just a reminder that God is in control. And so the Israelites here looked at the stormy sea. They looked at the angry army and they saw two options. They saw we could die by a sword or we could die by water in our lungs. Those are our only two options. And I tend to do that. I reduce complex situations down to two bad choices. And I say, well, it's either this or it's this. We either do it this way or we do it this way. We either fight or we flee. But most life situations are more complicated. There's really more than two options. But we like to reduce everything down to two options. I either go or I don't go. There's almost always a third option. You know, one of the things I think about when I come to this story is, why did God bring them here? He could have just taken them around the Red Sea, and the army could have lost track of them and not seen their footprints and not followed them. He didn't have to bring them to this situation. There were other ways to get to the Promised Land besides going and getting blocked in by the Red Sea with an army behind him. He brought them here because they still had a long way to go to get to the Promised Land. And he needed to build their faith because the faith they had wasn't strong enough to make it all the way to where they were going. Sometimes God has to bring us to things that are terrifying to develop the trust that we need in him. He needed to develop their trust in order to get them to their goal. The people they were when they left Egypt were not the people they needed to be when they reached the promised land. And so sometimes God guides us, directs us, into a dead end so we can take a step of faith so he can make a way forward where there seems to be no path that can go over our trust. Now I love here that he says he's doing all this not only to rescue the Israelites but he also says in verse 18 I'm doing this so the Egyptians will know that I am God. Here's God rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt and he says you know what but I still want the Egyptians to know that I'm the one true God. I want them to know about me too. See, your step of faith isn't just for you. It's for people around you. There's people around you that you don't even realize are watching you, who are wondering if there is a God, and they're seeing the way that you live your life and the way that you manage and the way that you navigate obstacles and terrifying situations. Darby and I have friends in the community who are atheists who don't think there's a God at all, and, but they're like, you know what, I, we're following along with your church. We want to see if something happens here. We want to see if in this journey to have children and you're praying so hard because you want to see children, we want to see if something supernatural happens. We want to see if there's really a God that, like you say there is. And they're watching us. Your step of faith will make people curious. I think one of the worst things we can say about the American church is there's nothing supernatural about us. 
People look at us and they're like, yep, just like us. I don't see anything happening that shows that there is a good, glorious, all-powerful God. And I think sometimes we have avoided steps of faith, and so we have made our faith seem foolish. See, a step of faith won't just grow your faith. It'll grow the faith of the people around you. God has you going through some things, not just for who you're becoming through it, but because there are people you don't even realize who are watching your life and the way that you navigate hard things. And then this is my favorite verse here in this whole passage in verse 19. Then the angel of, the, of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. And you say, Alex, what's the big deal about that? So God had been leading them in the front, and then he went around to the back. Well, there was an army back there. When you take a step of faith, God has your back. That's my favorite line. Of the I read that. I was like, yes, yeah. I got real excited about it. He's not trying to trip you up. God's not up in heaven and he's got a club and he's like, yeah, just do something. I really wanted to hit you with this. That's sometimes how we imagine God being. God's up in heaven and he's cheering you on. I've never been in a race. You can look at my bill and tell that I don't race. But I've been to races where people are racing. And people are on the sidelines and they're giving out water. They're like, you can do this. This is awesome. One more mile. You're almost there. That's what God's doing. God's up in heaven and he sees your step of faith. And he knows right now you're between a hard place and a harder place. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God's saying, don't give up. You're almost there. You're doing great. Keep running. Keep going. He's cheering for you. When you take a step of faith, God has. Too often we have this picture of God in our minds who looks nothing like Jesus. We think of God like an old grumpy man sitting on his front porch in a rocking chair. And he's like, yeah, you just break one of my rolls and I'm going to slap you, kid. Like, that's how we imagine. My grandpa, he was an angry man. That's the best way to say it. And uh, I remember one time he said something to me. I kicked him in the shins. That's not a good thing to do to your angry grandpa. I think sometimes that our idea of God is like that. Like he's this angry grandpa who we want to kick in the shins because we don't like what he's doing or saying to us. That's not who he is. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus ate with the social outcasts. He ate with the people the religious leaders thought were too sinful to even acknowledge. Jesus forgave the prostitutes and the religious terrorists, the zealots of his day. He played with children. He hugged and helped lepers. He tossed over the coffers of money when the religious people were trying to get rich and famous and powerful by deciding who and who could not come to God. Jesus is the God who died for you and died for me. And he's the God who's cheering you on in your step of faith right now. As you face hardships, as you face things that terrify you, as you face things that are too big for you, Jesus is saying, you keep going. I believe in you. You've got this. I'm with you and I'm for you. I've got your back. Let's keep going. Yes, if you take a step of faith, you will hit roadblocks, you will hit speed bumps. That doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. It simply means God needs to build your trust to get you all the way to your destination. See, faith is really about risk. I think a lot of us are trying to have a Christian life that involves zero risk. But the kingdom of God, Jesus' role and reign on earth, when things on earth get set right... When things happen on earth like Jesus would want them to, that happens when Christians take risks for God. When people who say they know Jesus 
live and love like Jesus, and take steps of faith like Jesus would. Sometimes a risk for Jesus, a step of faith, lands us between an angry army and a stormy sea. But I would rather be there with God at my back than be anywhere else on my own. So, what did you hear today? Maybe something that I said, maybe something the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, maybe something from the passage. Maybe you heard, God is with you and for you and he has your back. Maybe you heard, don't give up. Second question we want to look at as we end is, what do you need to do? What do you need to do as a result of what you've heard today? Maybe you need to keep going. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm not in control. I need you. Maybe there's a step of faith you need to take. We have some people on Tuesday who want to take the step of faith to be baptized. Uh, we're excited about that. Maybe there's a step of faith you need to take. When will you do it? Because if you're like me, you're an avoider. You're like, I'll do it someday. I know this needs to happen. I need to stop doing that. I need to start doing this. But not today. Someday. I'll get to it eventually. Set a time to do it. And finally, who will help you? You don't have to do it. There's people who come around you. If you want to take a step of faith, let us know. We want to help you take a step of faith. We want to help you stay faithful and walk through the places that God's taking you to in the places he wants you to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you for this reminder in my life that when I take a step of faith, you have my back. And God, sometimes it feels like people are trying to stab me in the back. But I know they can't because you're back there. And you're watching my back. God, thank you so much for being a God who's with us and for us. And if you lead us to a step of faith, you're going to lead us through that step of faith to where you want us to go and who you want us to God, I pray that we will walk away encouraged, knowing that you are cheering us on to walk closer to you and to walk further into faith with you. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus.